0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network It is Monday, July 27th. Yes, I am very well aware this podcast is going up well later than anticipated. That is what happens when you have a fun time at the DMV for more than three hours. I will not spare you those boring details, but again, I will welcome you to the show for a brand new work week. Hope you all are doing wonderfully. And a subtle reminder that this show is brought to you in part by rockauto.com. All the parts your car will ever need. And really, all you will ever need. Rockauto.com. Welcome back, everybody. I am Danny Webster. I am your host. And I do appreciate you stopping by for today's episode. As we are now mere days away from seeing live hockey grace our television sets for the first time in over four months. Three exhibition games will be taking place tomorrow. The Golden Knights will obviously be playing a game on Thursday against the Arizona Coyotes. More on that in just a little bit, but it feels so good to finally get through everything that we have endured, really, through, you know, physically, emotionally, everything that we could have figured that we would go through throughout this entire. COVID nineteen pandemic, and believe me, it is still going on, it is still happening. But the fact that the NHL, which reported today out of God, how many tests? I can't even remember the name, but it was an astronomical number of tests and zero positive results returned, that is incredible. And the and the NHL is prepared to go into this bubble in Edmonton and Toronto, and begin what is going to be a non-stop smorgasbord of hockey for the next two months, which is going to be fantastic. What is not fantastic, however, is the news delivered earlier today by Coach Peter DeBoer that Max Pacioretty is not with the Vegas Golden Knights in Edmonton at this current point in time. Now, we've discussed it a plenty last week. Paccharetti has been dealing with a minor issue, a minor injury. It is clearly undisclosed. Again, due to the NHL's return to play policy, teams are not permitted to discuss what is wrong with a player, whether it be an illness or an injury. Now, DeBoer has made it very clear that Pacioretty is not dealing with a COVID situation, much like he had to kind of lighten the blow with Marc-Andre Fleury not dealing with a COVID situation when he missed the entire first week of training camp 2.0. Now, I'm not saying that you got to go all DEFCON 1 here and sound the alarms and throw panic parties in the street, but I will say the fact that now we are... About to enter phase four of the NHL's return to play plan. The Golden Knights are about to play an exhibition game, which of course does not matter, but they're about to embark on a situation where they could have a very good chance of being the first seed in the Western Conference through round-robin play, and Max Pacioretty is nowhere to be found. I would call that slightly concerning. Now based on the videos that the Golden Knights presented to us via social media today which I mean all things considered that's really the only access anybody's going to get for the next couple of months when it comes to these hockey teams that doesn't not just the Golden Knights I'm talking literally about every uh, every one of the 24 teams in the bubble right now is literally limiting everything but based on the video evidence that was provided to us everybody earlier today The Golden Knights are looking to run Chandler Stevenson on the top line with William Carlson and Mark Stone, which is not a bad idea because Stevenson played his best hockey this year when he was centering a line with Pacioretty and Stone. Now, a bit different with Stevenson being on the wing and Carlson centering, but it's William Carlson, I think they'll be fine. That would mean... Since Stevenson had been on the third line for the majority of training camp, that means Nick Cousins, who was the top line left wing up until this point, is now on the third line left wing with Nick Waugh and Alex Tuck, which all the praise I and the, you know, kind of the rah rah shish I gave with the third line last week could still be very valuable given Cousins is, uh versatility between center and wing so maybe that line won't be so bad but the hope is if you're the Golden Knights that you don't have Nick Cousins be your third line left wing going forward the hope for the Golden Knights is that you don't have Chandler Stevenson being your top line left wing going forward you need you need Max Pacioretty as your top-line left wing if you are going to make a run at the Stanley Cup. Now, granted, the Golden Knights are deep. They are loaded at every position entering the postseason. They are deep at goalie. We already know this. Defensively, they're pretty stacked. I mean, there is no superstar power on on the blue line for the Golden Knights, but they are still deep. They're still talented and they still get the job done whenever it is you need them to get it done. And of course, the forward depth, we don't need to go into full detail about how deep this forward core is. It's the reason why for the last three years, Vegas has been as successful as they have been. But it's a no, It's a whole other thing. You can talk about the forward depth all you want and say, "Oh, it's good that they got this player. It's good they got this player. It's a good thing they did trade for Stevenson. It's a good thing they did trade for Cousins. It's a good thing they did they did they did trade for Wog." Can't even put the words out of my mouth. It's a good thing they got these guys via the trade market. But that's also the reason why you got Max Pacioretty off the trade market a couple of years ago. He's the guy. He is your top goal scorer. He is the one that you traded for to be like, okay, we need a goal. Can you snipe one from the right circle or the left circle, whichever it may be? Can you get us a goal? That is Max Pacioretty. If the Golden Knights do not have him, that changes everything. Everything. It's one thing if you're maybe missing Chandler Stevenson. It's maybe another thing if you're missing maybe a Jonathan Marshall. It maybe it's another thing if you're missing an Alex Tuck because they've been doing they've been dealing with that for so long this year and even at certain points last year. It's another thing entirely if one of your most reliable guys who was one point shy of a career high this year is not in the cards now again i don't think we need to go full on defcon 1 if the golden knights were the number 5 seed in the west and they were playing chicago in the stanley cup qualifiers then i would be a little bit concerned but if you really believe that your team is as stacked as it is and really can compete with the other top 3 teams in the west that you'll be playing in that round robin then you don't necessarily need to worry about already in your lineup. Now, don't get me wrong. There are, there are some sides that believe that the round robin isn't the end-all, be-all. There's another contingent, a la Peter DeBoard earlier today, that the round robin is important because you want the easiest path possible to get to the cup final, and I completely understand that but it's a very good thing that the golden knights are about to play four games that really at the end of the day are not going to mean as much as would a seven game series in the first round of the playoffs when it when the field dwindles down to the field of 16 so you look at it from that standpoint and you say if patrick reddy really is banged up maybe it's a good thing that he's not there and maybe it's a good thing that he doesn't have to deal with a nagging injury. But for us, for those who cover the team, we don't know when Paccioretti will be back. We don't even know what practice looks like. We don't even know if there are really any other injuries that we'll know about until, say, game time. We are completely left out of the dark day by day, case by case, until something legitimately comes up. So if you're a Golden Knights fan, you do have to be a little bit concerned knowing that your top point score is nowhere to be found and there's really going to be no answers at any point going forward, at least for the foreseeable future. That's a problem. But I'll tell you what's not a problem. RockAuto.com. Now, we tease them at the top of the show. You guys have, you've heard RockAuto.com. You've heard the jingle, the jingle that comes on TV. It's like a good 35, 45 seconds. It's such a very inviting jingle letting you know, hey, are you looking for a car part? Are you looking for a particular part for your car that you have gone to endless auto shop retailers and cannot find it? rockauto.com has got you covered whether it be taillights whether it be carpet whether it be windshield wipers whatever the case may be rockauto.com has got you covered now i know for a fact that at some point i said i mentioned i was at the dmv i was at the dmv getting my new car registered it's a it's a it's an old family car it's an 05 jeep liberty now at some point I know, the car is 2005, it's 15 years old. At some point, there are going to be parts that are going to be need to go to that car. I'm definitely going to go to Rock Auto because I know for a fact that I can rely on them to get me the parts that I need. Go to rockauto.com and when you check out and there's that little box that says, how'd you hear about us? Make sure you put locked on and those guys will take care of you. rockauto.com, all the parts your car will ever need. Rock Auto. All right, before we go any further, just a subtle reminder, follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can also follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. If you want to send an email for a future mailbag episode, whenever I can find the time to bring back the mailbag, you all know we're going to do it. LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com is a great way to send in your mailbag questions. Also, if you want to send in a mailbag question because you don't like emails but you like Twitter, Again, on LockedOnVGK is where you can find us on Twitter. Now, let's just say, hypothetically, that Max Pacioretty is not going to play for the foreseeable future. And I'm not talking about just the game against the Coyotes on Thursday. I'm talking about if he doesn't play in the round robin. If he doesn't play against Dallas, if he doesn't play against St. Louis, if he doesn't play against Colorado, let's just say... That your top point scorer is officially out of commission. How do the Golden Knights stack this lineup? Now, they now they have a at, at the moment, right now, they have a roster of 30 players, not 31 that they took with the bubble. They have 30 because one of their key players, the top goal scorer, is still here in Las Vegas. So, you are now down to 30 players. Um, DeBoer said also today that his plan is to take 20 skaters to Thursday's game against Arizona because it will put them more into a rhythm going into the round robin instead of trying to figure out if you're going to dress 22 or 23. Whatever the case may be, they want to go into a rhythm right off the get-go when the puck drops on Thursday. So let's say we get to that point. What does the lineup look like? Now, it's hard for me to gauge... At least for now, what the top line would look like. Do I think Cousins would be a solid fit on that line? I think so, just because he, I would think of him as Marsha Soul Light. And I'm not even talking about just the goal scoring aspect, I'm talking about, you know, just get in your face and just berate you. That That is the kind of guy that Nick Cousins is, which is why he was so good of a fit on that fourth line with Carrier and Reeves. You got Carrier and Reeves who will literally hit you four or five times every shift if it gets to that point. With Nick Cousins just sitting there quarterbacking everything and just yapping at the other team. That's basically what you get out of this fourth line. If you really wanted to, you could throw Cousins on that top line. He's not going to score a lot, but you have – the potential future captain on that team, and you have your number one center, that guy, that dude is not going to back down from you. So would I think cousins would be a great fit on that front line. Yeah. Do I think it would be a good long-term solution? Probably not. I think if, if we are bracing for the reality, and again, by the time, by the time this goes up, this is going to, it's going to be like close to midnight, right? Because right now it's what? 10, 24 PM. So, let's just put it this way by the time this goes up tomorrow patch might be in edmonton and i mean i'm not sure off the top of my head how many days a player would have to quarantine before entering the bubble so it's not like patch could rejoin the team right away on practice if he was in edmonton it would not be a problem but he would probably have to quarantine for a few days off the top of my head i'm not exactly sure how many that is but If I'm looking at this from a perspective of the top line, I think the right way to go would be Stevenson, Carlson, Stone. Now, I mentioned Stevenson played his best hockey while with Stone. And really, the whole thought of putting Stevenson on a line with Stone and even Pacioretty at the time was by complete happenstance because Cody Glass was moving up and down the lineup and he was being shifted from center to wing so many times that it just seemed asinine to believe that this could be a constant thing going forward. But Stevenson worked with Stone very well. And you talk about a guy who has really good, really good skating ability, really good hockey IQ. Stevenson is the perfect kind of guy that you can just be like, okay, I know you're not gonna score 30 goals in a season for me, but if I need to rely on you to get me a goal, to make a nice play and to make a smart play, I know I'm going to rely on you, especially with those two guys who, without question, are two of the smartest guys in in hockey when it comes to hockey IQ, hockey sense, where to put the puck, where the puck placement should be, and just overall feel for the game. You want a guy like that in the in the short term and eventually maybe in the long term if need be to be that guy, and that would be Chandler Stevenson. Second line, I think, is very apropos. I think it is going to be Marshall Stasny, Smith. I mean, that that line, I think, is going to be very key. Now, that line looked really good in camp. It, it, it looked really good. Stasny was doing a lot of dirty work in the crease. Marsasol really wasn't scoring a lot. And, and again, you can't put so much stock on on camp, especially when camp was really only two weeks long. But that line can create some havoc in front, especially Stasny, and if Smith can really establish himself, establish his body in the crease, in the rugged areas, that's going to open up the door for Marshall I think if that line can get it going, and if that line can kind of produce what I think we expect that line to produce, but really even before the pause... We weren't really seeing a lot out of that line. If that line can can do something, that's going to be a game changer. It's not going to be as big of a game changer as what you would get in the third line, but at least you know your top six is is solid all across the board. Then you go to the third line. Now, Stevenson, Wah, Tuck, at the end of the day, when the team is fully healthy, that is your best third line. That is the third line that is going to be the game changer, the game changer that I mentioned last week, the game changer that I think that if you want to make a run at the Stanley Cup, that is the line that is going to need to produce. Cousins is not a bad alternative on that third line. I think it clashes a little bit with what Wah and Tuck want to do because we know Tuck wants to... Be aggressive on the forecheck. He wants to be the big body, the power forward that can make plays while skating down the right side and eventually put his body in front of the goalie and make plays in front. Wa, kind of the same thing. We've seen flashes of how fancy he can get with the stick. But at the end of the day, Wah is still a big body, good playmaker, but if you put him in front of the net, he's going to deliver for you. Cousins... Fancy, kind of with the stick, solid skater, a lot more like William Carrier than Chandler Stevenson. That's where I think it can clash because we saw instances where Carrier, much deserved, got on the third line, and I don't and I think it was just a a just a couple of situations where he had to get acclimated to different line mates. But when I look at Carrier. Do I think he deserved time on the top nine? Absolutely. Do I think it worked? Not necessarily. And that's where I can see Cousins being a little bit more, and and it's not even necessarily his personality. It's more his play of he's aggressive, but is he going to deliver for you offensively like Stevenson would? Now, I'm not saying Stevenson's track record over the course of his NHL career says, oh, that's a guy who can score me a goal. I'm looking at the 41 games he played for Vegas where he had 22 points and at some in some instances looked like the best player on the ice for the Golden Knights. That's a guy who I want on my third line to open up the door for a guy like Tuck who needs space to operate, who needs room to establish dominance as a future top six player for this team and also open the door for Watt and not only be a playmaker but give him the chance to score. Cousins, if it comes to pass, I think can be a good alternative but it's not going to equate to being the game changer that I think that third line can be. Which then you go to the fourth line and obviously where I thought Cousins fit in perfectly was in between Carrier and Reeves. Now the reason why Nosek works obviously is because the familiarity that we have with Nosek on that line. You also know the familiarity you get with Nosek in the penalty kill which is why he's been so valuable to this team and which is why the Golden Knights have continued to resign him to one year deals. Eventually, at some point, that's going to run out, which I think will be this offseason. But at least you have that familiarity. Now, I'll throw this out there. Is Nosek a good penalty killer? Absolutely. Does he have familiarity with the fourth line? Absolutely. But I think if Pete DeBoer wanted to change it up, you go with one guy who I think has been the most shockingly good in camp. And that's Patrick Brown. Now, we talked a lot during the course of training camp. Nobody could score on these goalies. Flurry, Leonard, nobody was able to put a puck past them. I think about four or five times over the course of a week and a half, Patrick Brown scored on Robin Leonard. It was the weirdest thing and probably the most underappreciated, non-important storyline out of camp is that Patrick Brown had this willingness to score on Robin Leonard. Now, Brown P- Brown got his chance for a couple of games earlier in the season. I believe he scored one goal against Anaheim. I can't remember off the top of my head. That, that game was so long ago, by the way. I think that was the carlson trick. I think that was the carlson trick game. Um, but yeah, Patrick Brown played admirably, filling in on the fourth line when he was called up from ahl chicago now do i think patrick brown can come in and score four or five goals in a matter of four games no i do not but if we're going based off of small sample sizes and if we're going off based on who really impressed in camp i think you ought to give patrick brown a look now i i Again, based on the line combinations that we that were kind sort of kind of revealed today, um, that's not going to happen. We are going to see Nosek on the fourth line, which is fine. I'm not saying that Nosek isn't good enough to be what he can be on that fourth line. But if you do want a scoring punch and if you do want to kind of cause some havoc in front of the net, Patrick Brown would not be a bad replacement, which is why I, it wouldn't shock me. If you were to look at like if you were to look at the depth chart from from that angle, if you needed a seventh forward, not in this instance because there are going to be like ten other scratches, but if you were to look at it from that standpoint, I think Patrick Brown would be a serviceable serviceable seventh forward. And if you really needed to make the change between no second him, then I think that that would be a very admirable change. Now again, all of this you hope does not come to fruition. Because you hope that by the time you get to game one of that, seven round, of that seven game series, no matter who it's against, whether you're the first seed, the second seed, the third seed, or the fourth seed, no matter who you are, your hope is that by the time that puck drops, 67 is on the left side with 71 and 61. If that's not happening, <laughs> who knows what to think? Who knows what to think? But again, for, for all we know, it's not COVID-related. It's not, mm, you know what I mean? It's not anything bad from what we've been told. But again, it is concerning that Max Pacioretty is not in Edmonton. If It'd be one thing if he was in Edmonton and he was not practicing, right? That would also coincide with what DeBoer said before the end of last week that Pacioretty would eventually join the team on the ice the fact that he's not in Edmonton, one, two, he's not practicing, obviously. We don't even know if he's skating on his own at this point. But despite all of that, it would be one thing if that were the case, but it's not. And if 67 isn't on your top line come game one of a playoff series... That's a huge disadvantage. It doesn't matter who you're playing. It could be Chicago. It could be Minnesota. It could be Vancouver, Winnipeg. Whoever whoever is facing Vegas in that in that seven game series, if Pacharetti isn't there, that's a huge disadvantage to that team. So hopefully, it is a minor issue. But the fact that he's not at Edmonton right now, I think, is the reason why we we have to think ahead to this. Because, again, the Golden Knights are going to be talking at 10.45 a.m. tomorrow. Okay, More than likely, they're not going to say that Pacioretty is there. So then you have to start thinking of these line combinations. You have to start thinking ahead as to what this is going to look like. So, hopefully, patcheretti gets back on the ice soon, hopefully... He is back to 100%, and hopefully he can contribute to getting this team to the Stanley Cup because it's a whole different ballgame when he is on your top line. Easier said than done. All right, so coming up tomorrow, I wanted to make sure I put this out there. Tomorrow, we're going to start getting down to the nitty-gritty of the Western Conference side of the qualifying round. We're also going to look ahead a little bit to the teams in the round robin along with the Golden Knights. That will be more so later in the week, possibly going into next week, probably into Monday's show when the Golden Knights take on the Dallas Stars on August 3rd. So be on the lookout for that. Going to try and get some guests for this week to kind of break down. All of these uh, matchups and how the Golden Knights are looking going into this. So be on the lookout for that as well. Other than that, the only other news item that I think I wanted to share, uh, the King Clancy Memorial Trophy nominees were unveiled today. And the Golden Knights nomination is Marc-Andre Fleury. Also speaking of Fleury, uh, before I go back to the whole King Clancy Memorial Trophy thing... Um, Before I forget, another important nugget from DeBoer's press conference today. At least I think it's important. DeBoer said that he plans on splitting between these upcoming four games. He's splitting the workload between Flurry and Leonard. So he's not going to give one goalie. He's not going to split time between goalies in the exhibition game. Whoever starts in the exhibition game is going to play the whole way through. And then I think we're going to see a trade off. It's going to be the first. Whoever starts in the exhibition game, the other one will start against Dallas. The other one will then start against uh, St. Lu- or St. Louis and then Colorado after that. So that, I thought, was the other big important news to come out of DeBoer's press conference. Uh, but Marc-Andre Fleury is nominated by the team for the King Clancy Memorial Trophy, the award given to the player who best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice and has made a noteworthy humanitarian contribution in his community. I don't think it needs to be said any further how Vital Flurry has played a role as far as the community is concerned. You'll recall when COVID happened and everything paused, the one big question, at least through the Golden Knights point of view, was how were they going to pay the T-Mobile employees. Now it's a whole different situation when you're talking about how to pay the T-Mobile employee, the T-Mobile Arena employees because it's not really the Golden Knights Arena. It's really owned by MGM. So, trying to figure out how to disperse that was such a big problem. But Mark Andre Fleury put up nearly, I believe, a million dollars to cover the costs for all uh, game work for all T-Mobile Arena employees. And he also, his work during the holidays with the kids, he, enough said there, enough said there. Um, without question, the a, a very worthy nomination for Marc-Andre Fleury. Other players who were nominated as well, uh, Evander Kane of the San Jose Sharks, and P.K. Subban as well from the New Jersey Devils, amongst others. So very, very worthy. I think the winner will be announced uh, either during the conference final or prior to the conference final, but can't go wrong with nominating Flurry there. Very, very worthy choice for the King Clancy Memorial Trophy. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for me. Again, a little bit later, so don't be surprised that this is in your feeds now. Uh, by the Again, you'll wake up tomorrow morning. It's right there for you. It's perfect because then we're going to do the other episode on Tuesday. And, yeah, it'll be a little bit earlier because, again, Golden Knights are talking at 1045. So we should have more info and more news to discuss. But we also are going to get into the nitty-gritty when it comes to to the exhibition Gaming the Coyotes on Thursday and the round robin opponents as well as the other teams in the qualifying round should be a lot of fun hockey is back it is so good to see hockey back hopefully these numbers of zero positive tests stay where they are amidst this bubble and hopefully we can get through these two months and hopefully we can get into next season with some hope that we can bring sports back full-time. Fingers crossed, but one day at a time, and that will be the way we approach things to- today, and we will approach it tomorrow. So thank you guys for downloading, sharing, listening, subscribing, all of that jazz. If you'd be so kind as to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be greatly appreciated. let lets me know how I'm doing, lets me know how the show's doing. It's all greatly appreciated, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. Whatever I can do to make the show better, always, always a good good batch of uh, positive criticism, I guess. Be. There's another term for that that I am not thinking about right now, but again, it is almost 11 o'clock, and I had a long day. I was at the DMV. I don't want to think about this day anymore. Let's just call it a night. Thank you, guys. First, for checking out this episode of Locked On Golden Knights here on the Locked On Podcast. And We will be back tomorrow. I am Danny Webster. And until then, have a great night? Day? It all works. Have a good one, guys. See you